0: If you missed last week, okay, you missed the beginning of this new series that we're diving into called Creed, okay? And what we're doing is we're looking into this ancient document and really trying to understand its significance, okay? And we started by acknowledging there are two types of people. There are people that have never heard of the Creed, okay? They don't know what it is, why it exists, um, what it's all about. They've never heard of it. And on the other hand, some of you grew up in church and you recited this every single Sunday. And if I asked you and if I put you on the spot right now, you could stand up and you could say the whole thing from front to back. But with that being said, last week, what I did was I started off by talking about why it's important. Why it's important to understand what this creed is. why it's important so much to understand what we believe in. And here's why. What we believe in will determine our perspective, it'll determine our lives. It guides our lives. What we believe in impacts our family. What we believe in even determines where we spend eternity, right? It's, It's that important. So when we started this series last week, I gave you a couple of questions to think through. And here was question number one. This is just as a recap. What do I believe in? Many people don't even ask that question. They just kind of wander through life. They don't really ask, like, what is it that I say, if, if I say that I'm a Christian, like, what does that mean that I really believe in? And the reason that this is uh, so important is because if we don't know what we believe in, then we're just going to make up decisions as they come along in life. We need to understand this. The second question I asked was, what's the basis for my beliefs? Like, why do I believe this? Like, do I believe this or that or the other just because Jimmy says so? I hope not. Like, I hope on Sundays, like, I hope you go home and read scripture for yourself and you really try to understand why you believe what you believe. Then the third question I asked, and it's something to kind of guide us through the series, is, do my actions match what I believe? Like, if I really believe these things, like, am I living that out? Can people tell when they look at me, when they look at you every day, whether you're in church, whether you're at work or at your home, can they look at you and see a life that exemplifies what it is you believe. Now, if you missed that sermon that's online, you can go back and catch up. Um, also, talk a little bit about the history, why it's called the Apostles' Creed, th- those kind of things. Um, so, some pretty cool little details. Now that i caught everybody up, um, I want to remind you that there are two things that we're going to do as we go through this series. One is I want to encourage you to memorize this creed. Okay, everybody open up your apps right now, everybody online too. Go ahead, open up the Ridge app, and you will find the creed there. Go ahead and click on it. It's the first thing up on the top okay I believe that you can memorize this whole thing even if you've, you've never memorized it before I believe that you can do it in fact I want you to encourage the person sitting next to you turn to the person sitting next to you and say I believe you can do this okay? turn to them tell them say, I believe you can do this okay all right uh, and, and now 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 that they've encouraged you turn back to them and say you're so sweet thanks for believing in me go ahead tell them you're so thanks for okay that was awkward all right. But listen, I believe that you can do this. We can do this together. And the second thing we're going to do is we're going to recite this um, as a church family. So let's do that now. I want to invite you to stand. You can either read it on your phone or you can read it up here on the screen. And we're going to affirm our faith together. So everybody stand up. And let's read this and recite this together. Here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From then she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, thank you. You can be seated. Great job. All right, let's start at the very beginning of this. What happened? Did something happen? Did I miss something on the screen? Huh? I forgot the forgiveness of sins? That's that's like crucial to what we believe in. How do I forget the forgiveness of sins? I I actually, y'all, this is why I read it and I don't recite it, is so I don't forget something. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, I forgot it. Look at that. It's not even written there. That is hilarious. Okay, I will remember next time. Thank you. Look at y'all. Good job. Hold your pastor accountable. That's good. I like it. (laughs) I need to learn it. Yes. You're right, I do. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, let's move on. All right. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Let's focus. Let's focus. What a great way to start this. Let's focus. At the beginning of this, it says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Okay? I don't want to focus on the forgiveness of sins. That's going to come later. Okay? I want to focus on God, the Father Almighty. Now, it's interesting that the Apostles' Creed starts with this phrase, as God being our Father. Now, why refer to God, especially in this creed, why refer to God as Father? Okay? This is meant, this is meant as a way to personalize our God. Now, I'm going to talk more about that in just a minute. But two things I want to bring up real quick as we start this study on the creed and God being our Father. Number one, first thing I want you to see is this helps us understand the Trinity, Okay, now, when it comes to Trinity, let me give you a little seminary moment. Although, why would you trust anything I have to say now? Because I forgot the forgiveness of sins. Let me give you a little seminary moment here, okay? The word Trinity isn't found in Scripture, okay? You can't go into the Bible and find this this, uh, terminology, okay? It's not used. However, there is teaching about God being Father and the Son, Jesus, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the early church fathers, they came together and they gave us you know, this understanding of this, this word Trinity and what that means for Scripture. Now, the Apostles' Creed goes back and it outlines this same idea as God, Father, Son, Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we get this teaching of the Trinity within the first couple of lines of the Apostles' Creed. It's very important. Now, I think another main reason this creed begins with God as Father is because it kind of takes its cue from the Lord's Prayer. What do I mean by that? Do you remember the Lord's Prayer? When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? It's actually so important, this idea as God being Father, that Jesus actually instructs us that when we pray, Jesus, like, when you pray, like, it's not if you pray, but when you pray, I expect you to pray. Here's how I want you to pray. He didn't teach us, the Lord. We, we, we did an extensive study on Lord's Prayer, if you remember this. And, and he doesn't teach us this prayer just so that we would memorize it, just so that we would recite it back to God, although that's not wrong in doing. That's not the whole reason he gave it. The reason he gave it as a guideline, right, as, as guidance for us when we pray. So Jesus was like, when you pray, I expect you to pray. I want you to pray to God as your Father. In fact, in the New Testament, God is mentioned Father 135 times. And of those 135 times, 65 of those times was Jesus. Jesus thought that this was so important. And the early church fathers thought, this is really important. So we got to begin. Jesus was like, let's begin the Lord's Prayer this way. And the, and the writers of the Creed were like, you know what? Let's begin our Creed this way as well. You, you see, the good news about God Being a father is that it's meant to help us understand that a relationship to him. Let's go back to where I started. This relationship that we have with God is meant to be personal. It's meant to be relational. It's not just a power. God is not just a power. God is not just a force. And the reason that I say that is because it's so hard to relate to something or to someone or something out there that's just a power. In fact, just to illustrate this later on in the creed, it says that he is the maker of heaven and earth. Right after I believe in God. This maker of, if they had left that Father Almighty out and we just had, I believe in God, maker of heaven and earth, this will be hard to relate. How do I relate to someone or something out there that just spoke creation into existence? That's hard. Like I can't. That's just too big. Like, I can't begin to wrap my head around all of that, right? So Jesus knew this, and he says, you know what? We need to start this, the Lord's Prayer, with God being Father. The the people that wrote the creed, those early church leaders, they were like, well, let's start this idea as this being this relational God, someone that we can't approach, someone that wants a relationship, let's simplify things a little bit for everyone And what we believe. We believe that we serve this mighty and powerful God and yet at the same time, we also believe that this God wants to know us individually, that there's this relationship involved. And that just kind of, it's amazing to think about. Now, another thing that we gotta talk about when it comes to God being Father is that we have to acknowledge that when you, t- when you have this type of description, it, it conjures up all kinds of memories. And, and some have had great parents. Your parents were there for you. They were involved in your life. They went to your recitals. They even let you keep the change when you went out to get pizza, right? And they gave you money. Back when we used to pay for stuff with cash. You remember that? Go get pizza and then, can I keep the change? Yes. On the flip side, for others... Rather than it being helpful and happy term, it's, it, it might be kind of sad. It, it might even bring up some feelings of resentment. This idea of me giving a message about God being this parental figure, this, this, this father, this, it's not very helpful. So let's address that just for a minute. Let's put it out there, and let's kind of come to grips with those feelings, and let's just acknowledge that sometimes our view of God is actually shaped by the views that we have here on this earth, the views and the relationships we have with each other and our family even, right? And families, let's be honest, families are messy, and some people haven't had the best examples and it's good that we talk about this, because you know what Satan will do? Satan will work his way in, and he'll try, to, he'll try to manipulate those views and those experiences that we've had. And he'll try to twist those beliefs and how it shapes your image of who God is. And if that's you this morning, maybe we can begin to see how different God, our Heavenly Father, really is. And the truth is, is that God is that perfect example that we need. He is that perfect example of a heavenly Father. In fact, I believe that this is why Jesus qualified the term. Look at this. And said that when we pray, we should pray, our Father where? In heaven. This isn't just a positional like, our Father God is somewhere out. No, 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 no. This quantifies things, right? This qualifies it. The quality of our God. Our God is heavenly. Our God is perfect. When you pray, don't forget, you have a God that that is like a father figure that loves you so much, but he is that perfect, heavenly example that we need. Because truth is, fact is, we don't have anything perfect in this world. right? We're, We're imperfect. Even the parents that try to do their best in life with kids They don't make the best choices. We are reminded every single day that we are imperfect. How many of y'all, as parents, how many of you reminded just this week, I'm not perfect. I am not perfect. Everybody's hands should be. I remember... A while back, it was probably about 13 years ago when we first moved into the neighborhood, we decided to go down to the pool. Shannon had to work, so I was on my own with the girls and this was a hot July day and what you got to know about the Macarass is that we burn easily and when I mean burn easy, we burst into flames like within 10 minutes of being outside. So it's up to me to make sure the girls have the proper sunscreen on, and so I'm spraying them down. And when it came to um, putting sunscreen on their face, I had a great idea. Now, normally we have one of those little tubes that have the paste that you kind of rub in, but I was like, nah, nah, it takes too long. Here, just, just I brought Abby, Abby is about six, I was like, just close your eyes and hold your breath, and I'm going to spray your face down. Now, normally this sounds like a good idea, and I don't know what happened. I don't know if she opened her eyes. I don't know if it penetrated her eyelids. All I know is that as soon as I sprayed her in the face, she screamed and started running in circles, screaming, I can't see, I can't see. And I thought to myself, I've just blinded my child. So after about two minutes of trying to get Abby calmed down when she finally could tell me that she did see three fingers that I was holding up. Um, we then realized that we were the afternoon entertainment at the pool. And welcome to the neighborhood. The Michael Raths have moved in, right? We're not perfect. We blow it all the time. On the flip side, God's never blown it. He is your perfect heavenly father. And please remember, Jesus, God in the flesh, he is the one that chose to reveal himself to us as a father who loves his children. So maybe today, let the truth of who he is replace those lies, maybe that are twisting around in your mind. So for this morning, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna open up our minds a little bit and we're gonna look at what God says about himself and the relationship that he has with us As that perfect heavenly father. So let's open up those message notes. If you got the Ridge app, we're gonna fill in some blanks. Or if you got those notes that were brought in, we're gonna fill in some blanks together. Number one, your heavenly father, here's what what I want you to know: is he is loving. He is loving, okay? Your heavenly father loves you. He is compassionate, he is gracious. He cares about you personally. In fact, he loves you more than you could ever know. Your brain cannot handle. Scripture tells us we cannot begin to understand just how great and how wide and how deep his love is for us. Let me give you two big reasons why we can't understand sometimes just how much God loves us. One of the reasons is because we live in a world of conditional love. Right? We, we approach love this way. We say, if you love me, then I will Or if you do this, then I will love you. Or if you do that, then I will love you. Or we'll say things like, you know, I really don't love it when you, you know, or you really get on my nerves when you. Sometimes we don't even know that we're doing it, right? We don't even think about it when we say it. But sometimes, you know, this kind of love that we have, even even though we really do love each other, sometimes there's conditions into how deep that love really is at times. And God's love isn't like that. God looks at us and says, I love you regardless of who you are, what you've done, what's going on in your life. Even though, for some, even though they have turned and run away from him, he still loves. We need to hear that. We we need to change our thinking and realize that God's love is unconditional. It's that perfect kind of love that's just different. And it's better than anything that this world has to offer. The second reason sometimes we don't understand just how much he loves us, and I want to revisit something that we talked about last week, is because this happens all the time. Another reason we don't understand the depth of his love is because of the problems we face in life. Things tend to get in the way. Let's be honest, there's those tough moments that come and they hit us. And they hit us hard and they knock us down. And it leaves us wondering if God really does love or if God really does care for me. You know, there's moments in life that we all have when the tides turn and the winds howl in life. It's just, sometimes it seems to be too much. I want to take you to a time in Scripture when this happened with the disciples Those people that were closest to Jesus actually wondered if Jesus even cared about them in this moment. Now, this story that I'm going to share, you you know this story. This is the story of them um, being in the Sea of Galilee. You know, the disciples are in the boat. Jesus is in the boat. Everybody's alarmed. The storm is brewing. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And someone finally, they're like, where is Jesus? What's going on? And Jesus is asleep. Now, I've always wondered, why is Jesus asleep? Like, what is going on? Why is he knocked out? And, and I went back and I read and I figured it out. I cracked the code, okay? Here's, here's why Jesus is so uh, sleeping so hard. It's because he had just spent all day preaching. He had been teaching on scattering the seed, the parable of the lamp, the mustard seed, all these, he's had this long day of preaching. So he does what every preacher does on a Sunday afternoon. He goes and he knocks out, right? He is gone. In fact, he is, he is so tired, he is so exhausted that not even the storm is waking him up. But this storm is a big one. In fact, you know this, that the disciples, those that even grew up fishing off the Sea of Galilee, were scared. They had never seen anything like this. So they wake up Jesus. Verse 38. Here's a question. Teacher, don't you, don't you care? Don't you, don't you love us? Don't you care what's happening right now? That we're gonna drown. How many times have you said this in your life to God, your Father, right? Like, how many times have you been in those moments and you look up and you wonder, does God even care? Does He even know? Why is it that He seems to be asleep and not paying attention to what I'm going through at all? And sometimes we forget. Just how much God loves us and how much he cares for us like that perfect heavenly father. Look at, what, look at how Jesus responds to the disciples. And he says this. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind, said to the waves, silence be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. One more slide. Then he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Maybe some of you, you came into church this morning, you're questioning God. Something's going on in your life and you're questioning whether or not he really loves you, whether or not he cares, whether or not he even knows what's going on in your life. And meanwhile, maybe you're questioning God and God's looking at you and he's questioning you and here's his question. Do you still have faith? Why are you so afraid? Maybe that's the question he has for you. Don't you believe? This is what we talk about we believe. This is what we're talking about in the creed. This is what we start it off with. God is That heavenly father, he is perfect and he is loving. Why, if that's what you believe, why are you so afraid? In fact, he cares for us so much in 1 Peter 5, 7. Peter puts it this way. Peter says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. I like this this idea here that Peter reminds us that he cares about everything. He cares about everything. Does God care about me making my house payment this week? Yes. Does God care about the doctor's appointment I have that's coming up around the corner? Yes. Does he care about the fact that I have a child that's starting college or starting high school? And I don't know that I'm even ready for that. Yes. He cares about everything. You have a heavenly father that knows so much in your life. He knows every detail of what you're going through. In fact, he knows you so intimately. Scripture says he knows how many hairs you have on your head. And he also knows their real color. (laughs) You might can fool me, but you can't fool God. I'm just teasing. But he knows those details. He cares for you, he loves you. And he should, because that's what a perfect heavenly father would do. The second thing we know is that God is dependable. Your heavenly father never changes, he is always consistent. And he is always there. He never, ever breaks a promise. To help me with this, I want to show you all a movie clip. Y'all watch this. Max, your father is sorry. He had to work. going to be here. He promised. I know, I know, but he, he promises that he's going to see you tomorrow. Okay? He's going to pick you up from school. Mm-hmm. All right? So mm. Make a push. Okay, okay. Um, usually, um, usually I, I play, play funny videos, videos that, was that was kind of depressing. depressing. Um, out of that whole movie, that movie is hilarious. I pick like the one most depressing scene, but we know that this is like, right? We know what that's like. Not just with parental figures. We know what this is like just with people in life. People are Inconsistent. People let us down all the time. And when when promises are broken, trust begins to fade away. Our God is a consistent father. You can count on him every time. He never lets you down. He's always dependable. He is worthy of our trust. And not only is God always there for us, but he's consistent in who he is and how he shows up in our life, right? He never changes. His character never changes. God is never moody. He never has a bad day. God never wakes up on the wrong side of the bed, and we just think... Sometimes we think that about God, don't we? We think that he's just out to get us for some reason. Like, if he's in a bad mood, why should anybody be in a bad mood? So Today just needs to be a bad day for everybody. That's not who our God is our perfect Heavenly Father is consistent. He is dependable. In fact, let me give you some scripture that backs this up. James 1.17 says, He is consistent. He won't change his mind or play tricks in the shadows. Another one in Romans. Romans says this, When God gives a grace, a gift, and issues a call to a people, when he calls you, he doesn't change his mind and take it back. The psalmist says this, My God is changeless in his love for me, and he will come. And he will help me. You know, the truth is, so much in this world changes. It changes all the time. Like, it, I just see it every day in technology. This, in fact, the phones that just came out, there's this new feature that will alert the call 911 if you're in a wreck and you're unconscious, which is just crazy. Your phone knows it and will call for you if you can't make that phone call. And you know as well as I do, as cool as that technology is, as soon as that technology comes out, they automatically are working on something else. There'll be another phone that will do even more than because technology is constantly changing, people are changing, the world is constantly changing around us. But you know what? One thing never changes: our Heavenly Father is dependable. He is consistent. You can count on him. It's nice to know that even though tragedies change the landscape of this fallen world, that my heavenly father is still king. It's nice to know that when I'm in a funky Monday mood, that my heavenly father is always good. It's nice to know that when I mess up and I blow it, that my heavenly father always offers to forgive me. Our heavenly father never breaks a promise. He never changes. You can always depend on him. And the last thing I want you to know is that our Heavenly Father is powerful. Our Heavenly Father is powerful. When I was little, I was just like any other kid, and I was known to tell a few other kids that my dad could beat up their dad. Well, did y'all ever do that? I remember here in the story of two little kids that were doing just that, one bragged and said, my dad can beat up your dad, and the other kid said, so what, so can my mom. <laughs> I thought that was funny. When I was in fifth grade, I remember jumping off a 20-foot-high platform at Itchy Tutney River. When I was in my teenage years, I remember going into Christman's Cave and spelunking in this pitch-black darkness. When I was in my 20s, I remember getting caught in a blizzard in the middle of Wyoming. But in all of those cases, I was not afraid because my dad was with me you know, our our dads are kind of supermen. You know, but as you grow up, you you get older, you realize, and you maybe even become a father yourself, you you realize that that, that we're just human. All parents have limits. And, And that's okay. It's part of being who we are, right? But it's very important to remember that nobody and nothing can beat up on our Heavenly Father, right? He can and will handle everything in our lives if we give it to him. Nothing is beyond his ability. Remember, he is the maker of heaven and earth. Luke 1:37 puts it this way. He says nothing is impossible with God. In the book of Ephesians it says this, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine far more than you can guess or request in your wildest dreams. So you know what? Your your Heavenly Father is many things. But I hope you understand that He is loving, that He is dependable, and He is powerful. So with that in mind, let let me close with two thoughts. Um, One, maybe today you came in here today and you're doubting the power of your Heavenly Father. Meanwhile, He is looking at you and asking you these questions. What's the, what's the biggest dream you have? He's saying, I can, I can top it. What's the biggest problem you have? I have an answer for it. What's the biggest hurt you have? God, your Father, can comfort you. In fact, some of you came into church this morning just so that you could hear God speak those words into your life. I can handle it. I love you. Depend on me. Lean into me. And if you'll lean into me, I'm powerful enough to handle this. Maybe this morning we can learn to, to take whatever that is, whatever that struggle we have, and trust our perfect Heavenly Father and give it to Him. And then some of you, there's, there, there's another group of people that I want to speak to. Maybe there are some of you that are here this morning, or maybe you're worshiping online, and you've never become a child of God. Like, you don't know Him as God the Father, and you know this is kind of hard to understand because you know on the one hand people question that and they're like, well, well, well Jimmy doesn't, isn't everybody um, a child of God? Like, isn't God everybody's father, right? And, and the answer is yes and no. Like, if you mean does did God create everyone, then yes, the answer is yes. If you mean does God love everyone, absolutely, God loves everyone. God is everyone's father in that sense. But you know as well as I do, it takes more than birth. To be a father, right? It takes a relationship. God created everyone. But he wants you to choose to be in a relationship with him. And the ones that choose to be in a relationship with him, God takes you into his family to be with him. So then the question becomes, like, how do I get to know God as father? How do I get to be taken into that family and have that relationship? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only way to know God as Father is by believing in who Jesus is and trusting that he came and died for our sins. And when we place our faith in Christ... We become a child of God. That's why, we, that's why we say that when someone accepts Jesus, that they're born again, right? They're given a new life. They're given a new standing. They're brought into the family of God. I'm gonna give you a chance to make that decision as we pray this morning. So let's pray together. God, you know, one of the greatest needs we have in life is approval. Yeah, we just wanna know that we're loved God, we just want to know that we're accepted by our families, by those around us. God, we thank you that you are that perfect heavenly father to us. That we understand that we have your approval this morning. God, that you love us, that you you care for every person in this room because we are your children, God. And we're blessed to know that you don't change. That you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And God, we worship you because you are powerful. God, as we say in that creed, you are the heavenly father that created both heaven and earth. So God, help us to be reminded of all of that truth of who you are, that you are loving, that you are dependable, and that you are powerful. And God, we pray for those that might need to begin a relationship with you this morning. And if that's you today, you're here, you're worshiping online, and you want to be reborn, you want to be brought into the family of God, then if you want to know God as Father, then just pray this with me. Say, Dear God, I want you to be my Heavenly Father. I want to be your child. And even though I don't understand it all, I do know that I want to live my life for you and with you. I accept Jesus into my heart. Please forgive me. And please change my life. God, I I thank you for those that may have prayed that this morning. And God, I just pray that you would be with all of us as we leave here today, realizing, God, what an amazing thing it is that we get to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.